Welcome to the Configure Price Code podcast. My name is Frank Sohn and I'm the founder of NoCPQ Consulting. This podcast is 100% focused on Configure Price Quote, also known as CPQ, and will provide you useful insights into this topic. My guest today is Josh Nelson. Josh is the CPQ practice lead for Salesforce CPQ and billing at Traction on Demand, which is the Salesforce Platinum consulting partner. He worked with CPQ tools before at Lexmark International and others. He was a product owner and he changed to the consulting side four years ago. Josh is based in sunny San Diego, California. Welcome, Josh, to the CPQ podcast. Thanks, Frank. Happy to be here. Happy to have you. Josh, let's start, as always, by telling us a little bit more about yourself, what you did before you joined Traction On Demand. Absolutely. So I got into the Salesforce space um, as an intern, actually, in Kansas City, working for a SaaS-based software organization. Um, I kept interning. I was just doing basic administration um, of opportunities, account management changes, little things like that, the stuff you kind of dream of at night. Um, And I kept interning year over year, and they actually let me work from home as a senior in college, which was a really cool experience, being able to work part-time in a technical capacity while away at university. Um, So I did that, and then I eventually graduated, and I got introduced to CPQ right out of the gates. It was the first week uh, starting the new job full-time. And during our North America CRM and CPQ implementation, as part of the acquisition of Perceptive Software with Lexmark International, I jumped straight into the CPQ space and have been running ever since. And then from there, I became the product owner and oversaw eight acquisition integrations across five continents, as well as led a CPQ APAC rollout in Sydney, Singapore, Beijing, and Shanghai. Um, at one point during that experience, it was quite crazy. I put all my stuff in a storage unit in San Diego and was actually living in Europe, uh, integrating companies across Europe. So it was a really exciting time in the experience. And then I jumped into consulting for a boutique firm in Silicon Valley doing Oracle CPQ implementations. Uh, So that was a really fun uh, experience to jump in and and kind of see the other side of the street. Um, And now I'm here at Traction, loving every minute. Excellent. I think that gives you a great perspective since you have experienced CPQ from a customer and from a consulting point of view. But before we go there, please tell me what you do in your spare time. Absolutely. Well, I'm an avid uh, competitor and trainer in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I've actually competed at the World Competition um, in Los Angeles and then various other local competitions here in San Diego. So I spent a lot of my time uh, in my Jiu-Jitsu academy here in my neighborhood. And outside of that, um, I like to surf, hike, play lacrosse, you know, living down here in San Diego. A lot of the hobbies are outdoor activities and I try to be outdoors as much as possible. Great. And I think that confirms once again that the CPQ community is very active. So my next question is, why did you decide to leave a large company like Lexmark to join a boutique consulting company? Yeah, for me, it was an interesting time in my experience as I kind of outlined what I had just gone through with all the acquisition integrations and the APAC rollout. Um, and I always had an eye for Silicon Valley. And then when I started to speaking to, uh, speaking to some of the folks at CPQ Solutions, it really came down to the point of taking on the challenge of being surrounded by the best and brightest minds in the space. Um, and it was really too good to pass up. I think the, the main thing here is that I love to take on challenges and, and that offered me a, a new challenge to take on. Hmm. And I guess that's quite a different perspective that you have as a CPQ customer and as a CPQ consultant. What was the biggest difference for you? 
Yeah, the main difference um, in that experience of being on both sides of the street, but specifically with my experience as being on the customer side, is it's different from a consultant, right? Where you get to roll on and you try new projects as you uh, as new projects come up. But when you're the customer, once the SI or your consultant goes away, that is your project for the foreseeable future. And I think that's the experience that I bring to the table as the practice lead here at Traction on Demand. Um, and that and that experience of what is it like once your SI or your consultant leaves, it's really predicated by the enablement you received uh, during your time with your consultant. And I think I had some challenges along the way, and, and those are the things that help shape the perspective that I bring to our practice here at Traction is, how are we enabling our customers to really own and scale this tool over time when we go away? And that's a major point of our implementations. And what's the most exciting change in the CPQ space for you personally at this time? Yeah, you know, I've been in the space for a couple of years and I've, like, like you've just outlined, been on the customer side, been on the consulting side. And I think it's watching the space grow as a whole. Uh, CPQ is such a transformative tool for companies and watching the space continue to grow over the years has been really exciting. And I, I just think there's so much value to a growing business. And I'm excited to see how the space can continue to grow year over year and providing that value and enable co enabling companies to grow and scale. So really, it's the whole picture of the space just continuing to grow. Um, and that's really exciting to me. And then a question I ask almost every guest is also, who are some thought leaders you listen to and why? What can you learn from these people? Absolutely. I think we have uh, a few thought leaders in, in the practice here at Traction on Demand that I like to you know pick their brains and get their feedback on. Um, and then I just follow on LinkedIn. I think it's a great place on LinkedIn to go find the different groups that you can join, um, the public forums that are out there with the different, uh, uh, the different organizations who have CPQ tools. There are just so many avenues in which you can uh, exchange and retain knowledge. I think I, I, I keep an eye on the latest and greatest features, but I also like to hear um, what people are saying in the forums. What are the challenges that they're facing? Um, because that also kind of gives us the path, path forward in terms of where does our thought leadership need to be? How are we engaging at the most granular level with the people who are using these tools? And how are we paving a path forward to enable um, solutions to the challenges that they're facing today? Hmm. So I, I think I keep it, it's, it's everywhere. It's the thought leaders in the space who are pushing out content. It's the organizations who are providing their you know, expertise in terms of how we can continue to roll out new and great functionalities, and then also listening uh, to the individuals on the forums who are facing challenges and, and piecing it all together. Hmm. And then tell us a little bit more about the uh, traction on demand. Uh, where is the company located? How many employees do you have? And what services do you offer? Absolutely. Um, so we are dedicated to Salesforce, as I said before. Um, I think if I checked uh, the latest numbers, we just passed 900 folks at Traction. So we are scaling at a very fast rate, and it's a very exciting time. Um, and we're, we're, our headquarters is in Vancouver, but we have offices throughout Canada and the United States. Uh, those are our geos that we, uh, we currently service today, and we focus on those ones specifically. Hmm. And what kind of services do you offer to them? Yeah, so it can be anything Anything that Salesforce offers, we can support from an implementation standpoint. So any of the, uh, you know, it can be integrations to other other tools. It can be setting up the different clouds. If, a, if Salesforce has a tool, we can support it. And is your CPQ practice focused on specific industries or specific customer sizes? Any kind of specialization worth mentioning? 
The nice thing is that we're able to uh, service large enterprise organizations and then even down to the small nonprofits. Uh, we've got a few clients who meet those different criteria, and so it's really exciting to have that broad range of experience. We do focus uh, exclusively in the United States and Canada currently for our CPQ implementation, so that is one thing around geography. Uh, but yeah, we have no limitations on industry uh, or size by any means. Hmm. And tell us a little bit more about the company culture and especially about the CPQ practice, right? So how many folks do you have in the CPQ practice and what does the culture, what is especially interesting for potentially new hires when they join the company? Absolutely. I love this question because it's the main reason why I joined Traction on Demand is the company culture. I think I, I definitely offer it out. Go check out LinkedIn or any of the different social media avenues that you can and really see how traction, you know, we don't just talk the talk, but we walk the walk. It's a certified B Corp organization. Um, it is a, I describe it as a professional services organization that doesn't act like one. Um, and it's a really special time to be at this company. The focus is on the individual level, the sentiment, as we call it. We actually track how our individual employees are feeling every day. So it's not one of those things where you check in once a year and you get to talk about how you're doing. We're capturing that data every day and allowing our employees to track and monitor that so that we can see you know, how your project or how your work is affecting who you are as a person and making sure that we're enabling uh, our folks to be the happiest that they can, that they can be, excuse me, uh, because we believe that happy folks produce great work and that's what we're in the, the business for. So I'm super passionate about the culture. It's unlike anything that I've ever experienced, and I welcome anybody, uh, if they're interested, to go out there and, and search, and you'll just find endless, endless amounts of uh, scenarios in which our, we back up our culture by giving back to our community and, and trying to make the world a better place. Excellent. And one follow-up question on this topic is, I think you mentioned before, you focus for right now, at least, on North America. Uh, do you have any expansion plans for 2020 or beyond that you can share at this time? Yeah, absolutely. We have a practice stood up and, and continuing to grow in Jaipur, India. So we're uh, building our presence there and then also in uh, Australia as well. So there are plans to grow um, globally, uh, but we're still in the initial stages of that. And, and there'll be a lot more publications to come on that in the future. Hmm. And in our preparation call for this interview, right, we discussed also shrinking IT budget, cheaper consulting services and the need to go to market differently. Right. And can you share your thoughts on these topics with with our listeners? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think what everyone in the CPQ space has realized over over the years is that, is that our customers are becoming more and more tech savvy. Um, this means that we have to continuously improve our delivery and sales model um, in order to be the best partner that we can in the space. Um, there isn't the option really to put your finger up and, and kind of uh, identify what the effort or cost is going to be. So we spend a lot of time at the granular level identifying what exactly are our success statements and how are we going to track to the specific requirements that are a part of the solution. And that allows us to provide the most accurate um, estimate, cost, and solution for our clients. And I think that's that's the piece that's really key these days is that um, as IT budgets continue to kind of tighten up because um, people have a better experience and more knowledge in the space, um, it'll, it forces us to be more granular with the expectations of our solutions that we're delivering. And how and where do you educate your customers more about the uh, available CPQ solutions and uh, general CPQ knowledge? Yeah, so it's it starts in the sales cycle and really level, uh, you know, kind of level setting where our customers at in their experience or knowledge of CPQ. 
Um, one of the things that we do is a CPQ 101. We also have a pre-project checklist. What we, want, what we aim to do is guide our clients to kind of absorb as much knowledge as possible that we have around CPQ to make them more dangerous and effective uh, you know, while they're driving this initially, uh, initiative internally. So I think that we focus and we kind of understand where are they at today, where do we need to get them to so they can be successful in terms of just general understanding of the tool and the capabilities, and then we build a plan out from there. And I, we found that that's really effective when we take time uh, to educate our clients on uh, the different objects and how they function and, and the overall end-to-end process. And let me ask a challenging question here. And since you're working only with Salesforce, CPQ and billing, when you do these evaluations, does that ever happen that you propose someone else than Salesforce, CPQ and billing? I think in those scenarios, what we'll do is uh, basically uh, take ourselves out of the running if we feel that we're not going to be able to service our clients in the most effective way possible. Knowing that we only support Salesforce CPQ, we're really looking for clients and educating them on who fits the best capabilities of that tool. Because at the end of the day, we're in the business of success. Um, and if we you know, push forward a tool that's not going to meet their needs, uh, then we're not doing right by our client. And that's a foundational pillar of traction on demand as a whole. Um, is doing right by our clients. So we'll definitely make sure that we're not pushing them down a direction that's not going to be better for the future versions of themselves. Got it. Excellent. So now the next question is concerning integrations, right? As you know, there's a whole bunch of different tools which integrate with CPQ. That could be a customer relationship management system like Salesforce. It could be an enterprise resource planning system like SAP or Oracle or Info or many other product lifecycle management, contract lifecycle management, a lot of three-letter acronyms, right? What do your customers ask for most often and and, um, any recommendations from your side what they should consider when they deal with these integrations? Yeah, I think that's a great question. So knowing that we operate exclusively on Salesforce CPQ, we don't, you know, oftentimes integrate to any other CRMs because of how that tool is structured. But definitely ERP is always in play um, in terms of what's their tool going to be, what's the integration and, and considering the data models. So I think The thing that's really important to me when we start to think about integrations is understanding if there's discrepancies in data models uh, between the systems that we're working with and how we're going to overcome that. I think that's one of the main things that we start with. But since we have a wide variety of clients from small, you know, very small, tiny boutique firms uh, to large enterprise clients, we see basically everything in between. And so it's for us, it's really about evaluating the use case, understanding what their tech stack is today and how our implementation fits into that in a, in a seamless sort of way. So it's really subjective to the scenario of each client that we work with. Uh, but yeah, we see all of these on a regular basis, and sometimes it's it's a phased approach as well in terms of bringing on these integrations. Uh, that can be something that uh, occurs based upon the scenario that we're in. If you need to know what's happening in the CPQ world, have a look at our monthly CPQ Circle subscription. It has a state of CPQ, industry trends, news, tips and tricks, and an event calendar that shows CPQ-related industry events eight months out. Try it today, you won't regret it. Go to novocpq.com, look for services, and then select subscriptions to sign up. And I know that a lot of the CPQ projects are not always successful, right? So now, I mean, you could have a long discussion about what what represents success in a CPQ project, right? So, and mm-hmm. But uh, 
what what I still see is that there's a good number of projects failing, at least based on the initial success criteria, right? And hence my question, how often do you run into this? And what are the biggest challenges that you experience with the customers that you are working with? Absolutely. We're always doing continuous improvement as a, as a practice under Traction on Demand to make sure that we're vetting out when these challenges occur and how we can mitigate them in the future. Again, a, a big thing and a big proponent for me is education. I think when you have those upfront discussions about what are the different objects, what are their functions, how do they interact, um, it really is about having that CPQ 101 from the very initial stages of our project outlining how it's going to occur and how things are going to unfold. And then through our through our build phases, we're actually providing feedback along the way, videos of what we're building. These are ways that we keep our clients really engaged and have a we avoid the misalignment of here's what I thought I was getting and here's what I'm actually getting. Hmm. So it's about open communication. It's about education and, and continuing to provide feedback as they have questions along the way because CPQ Uh, does have its complexities, and we want to make sure that we can unravel that and make it more simple for our clients. And also tell us a little bit more on how a typical CPQ project looks like for you. How does it work if you have any timing tasks that are included so that our listeners who are potentially interested in doing something have an idea on how you typically tackle this CPQ project? Absolutely. So we have a, a blended methodology between Agile and Waterfall. Um, so we use a hybrid methodology to roll out our implementations. Uh, we also give our clients a pre-project, uh, pre-project, excuse me, checklist. Um, and what that does is outlines all the things that they can do ahead of time to prepare for success and to make the best use of our time when we're engaging through the design and discovery phases. I think those are key activities to make sure that we're, again, you'll hear me say it many times, preparing for success. What are we doing to make sure that our future selves are successful? And then we also help to you know, drive internal alignment and buy-in. Those are key areas that we focus on because one of the things that we do is we describe CPQ as a sticky tool because it touches so many parts of your organization. It can be sales, sales ops, finance, legal, IT. I mean, the list can go on based upon how a business is organized um, in preparing for success and engaging with us, we like to make sure that all of your stakeholders and all of your affected users have skin in the game up front so they know how they're benefiting from this implementation. So you'll you'll notice that working with us, it's a lot about upfront preparation uh, to in, or, in order to drive successful implementations. And are you also providing tools for your customers that you're working with, software tools that help them, for example, move data from A to B or, or anything else that's especially helpful to your customers? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we work with our customers based on their existing tool stack and then uh, provide them with recommendations on how they can expedite or uh, their processes as it pertains to our CPQ implementation. And then we obviously have our own internal set of tools that allow us to organize um, and document all of the requirements and interactions and assets along the way so that we can give all of that information to our clients at the end of their project and they're enabled with everything and all the conversations that we've had. And since I asked you about the most challenging project, I also want to ask you a question about your most successful project. So what kind of results did the customer see and what kind of effort was involved? Yeah, there's a couple of them that come to mind. Uh, one recently, and due to uh, legal agreements, I can't speak to the name, but I'll give you an outline of the company as a whole, but they're a payment processing company. Um, and one of the things that they were facing was a complex product catalog, 
Uh, they had some product rationaliz or pricing rationalization activities that needed to occur, which are the two fundamental pieces of a CPQ implementation up front, product and pricing rationalization. So we focus on those, got them prepared for success ahead of time before the implementation. Um, and one of the things that I love to hear is how we can transform the manual tasks uh, that sales reps and sales ops are, are facing and automate those. I, I really focus on the time back that we're giving to our individual or individual team members within our clients. That's where we focus on and that's where we saw incredible success with the payment processing company is that there were a lot of manual steps that were falling on the burden of a sales rep and we want to we want our sales reps to focus on selling, uh, not what you know they would deem as administrative tasks. So automating using automation and logic, throughout uh, sales cloud and into CPQ can really expedite those processes. Um, and we found that our client was incredibly happy to, to realize how much benefit they were getting out of a tool like CPQ. And which CPQ capabilities do you think will bring the most customer benefits in the foreseeable future based on the customers that you work with and why? Yeah, I think there's two things here that really come to mind. The artificial intelligence piece is is a really big one because then we're starting to be able to analyze our data in a way that we haven't today, and we become more agile in the market, and we're able to kind of service our reps by utilizing AI uh, to, to arrive at the correct price or the, arrive at the right products or analyze when we're successful in certain markets or what our strategies are. So the artificial intelligence continues to grow, and it's an incredible piece uh, to leverage within uh, the quote-to-cash space. Um, and then that ties into the second piece here, which is uh, Salesforce billing, which I think is a really exciting space that's growing right now. I think when you start to see the picture of an end-to-end -end process all on the Salesforce uh, platform, you can see how you can really manage and execute your business in a much different way. So what I focus on, especially when it comes to having everything in one single place, is the ability for your executives to look real-time in at the health of your organization across all the different areas in which you're operating. So I think seeing kind of the future of how we can bring all of these into one platform uh, is a really exciting um, a really exciting thought for me, especially when I come from the customer side of things. And I think back to the days when, when I was a customer and, and the idea of not having multiple systems and being able to see all that data in one one time, one place, real time. That's really exciting and that's powerful stuff for these organizations. One thing I want to go back on is when you mentioned artificial intelligence, price optimization is using artificial intelligence or to be a little bit more precise, machine learning in most cases, right? Uh, do you see a higher demand for this as well right now? And, and is there any specific uh, type of customer that's asking for this more often as far as you can see or share? Yeah, I think what I'm or what I what I definitely am seeing within our projects is that there is a desire for the artificial intelligence piece or Einstein within uh, Salesforce's ecosystem. To me, what we're finding is that it's it's seen as like more of a phase two implementation uh, because what they're wanting to do is lay the foundation for success within CPQ, and then they start to understand and see the capabilities of where they're going. So what I what I see is that this is when when customers see the ability of of what Einstein and AI can do uh, within the Salesforce Salesforce platform, the eyes get really big and we can start to see the the vision kind of growing of where this capability can go. But I do see it as something that's kind of a a phase two implementation. So that's the one thing that I would comment on in that space is that it's important to lay a successful foundation 
before you start to go into the avenues of the depth of where you can go and really harnessing the power of CPQ with AI. Um, yeah, does that answer your question, Frank? Yes, yes, it does. And one interesting topic for every customer is typically the ongoing maintenance of their CPQ solution. So I wonder, what do you recommend your customers to do regarding their CPQ solution maintenance? And what are the biggest challenges these customers typically encounter with the maintenance? Yeah, it's, it's around the education because I think that when we start talking about requirements, it's easy to get kind of lost in terms of I want the system to do X, Y, and Z. Um, and what I try to do is educate them on what that looks like when your SI is no longer there because that's a pain point and a challenge that I went through when I was a customer is that uh, we signed up for a lot of functionality and, and the way it was built required some customizations. Um, and anytime we start to delve into that customizations territory, I make sure to say up front, I want to make sure that we're understanding what maintenance looks like for you two or three years down the road. And part of that is, what's your internal IT team like? Do you have developers? Do you have people who are comfortable on the Salesforce platform? Because we don't. What, the last thing we want to do is build some customizations to meet the use case, but then the client isn't able to address those customizations and scale them over time. So we're always thinking about the future versions of our clients. Um, the future versions of themselves and saying, let's think about three years down the road. If you build this custom piece, what does that look like in terms of maintenance? So it's really about having open dialogue when we know that there's some areas of the platform that we need to build on top of and making sure that they understand that what's the value or what's the weight that comes into bringing on this customization and what does it look like for me two or three years down the road? So it's about having those open dialogue and making sure that when we do go down that route, The customer has a clear understanding of what's being built, uh, the technical limitations that may be there with the customization, um, and making sure that they have a team who's comfortable to, uh, to support that in the long run. And one follow-up question here. I see that customers wonder how many certifications do they need to have and how much does that cost? Do you want to make a short comment about that? Yeah, absolutely. I think if uh, the plan should be is when the time comes to when you're going to own CPQ yourself, You need a CPQ specialist if you're working on the Salesforce uh, platform, especially Salesforce CPQ. You should have a CPQ specialist who's in there understanding the ins and outs. And that's one thing. What we do is we send a trail mix uh, through Trailhead as the initial kind of gate to start getting an admin up to speed with CPQ. And then we always recommend the 211 training at Salesforce to take it to the next level uh, with their education and their learning. Um, and then, you know, the certification is something that comes along with that as a kind of secondary thing after you've attended the 211. It's recommended to get some hands-on experience um, and then get that specialist certification. So we are definitely proponents for our clients, uh, enabling themselves to support the tool themselves. Very interesting. Josh, where can customers meet Traction On Demand and yourself next? Are there any face-to-face -face, uh, industry events that they should know about? Absolutely. We're going to be all over the map this year. So you can see us at Snowforce in Salt Lake at the end of February. Uh, we'll be at Midwest Dreaming at the end of July. Dreamforce is a great time to see traction shining. So we have a lot of people who attend that at the later stages of the year. And hey, if you're ever in San Diego, we're happy to uh, paddle out. We can catch a few waves and talk CPQ till sunset. <laughs> I'm not sure if that's a promise or a threat, but it sounds good. <laughs> And uh, one last question, George. What's the best way for interested listeners to contact you if they have any question about you or Traction on Demand? 
Absolutely. You can contact me through my work email, jnelson at Traction On Demand. I'm actively involved on LinkedIn, so you can send me a LinkedIn message or connect with me on my personal email, which is jnelson303 at gmail.com. Josh, thank you very much for making time to visit us at the podcast today. Thank you, Frank. It's been uh, great chatting with you. I'd like to thank everyone for listening and hope you learned something interesting today. If you like the podcast, please go ahead and rate it on iTunes or share it with your friends and colleagues. In the meantime, you can find us online at www.novocpq.com. So long, everyone. <laughs>